This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by the Chief Financial Officer of the Marshfield Clinic. The Marshfield Clinic, located in central Wisconsin, is, is really a magnificent institution and healthcare system. Grew out of a clinic, now has hospitals as well. Just a great, great system. We're going to talk today about COVID, competition, a lot more. Um, the people up in Wisconsin are generally Green Bay Packer fans. They generally consistently beat up on the Chicago Bears. We won't talk about that kind of competition that happened again this past weekend. We're going to try and avoid that discussion. But we will talk about Marshfield Clinic and its greatness and what it's doing with COVID, competition, and more. Gordon, can you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and about Marshfield Clinic? Sure. So, you know, first on about myself, on a kind of a personal level, I just celebrated 25 years of marriage. Uh, and my wife and I, we got three great kids, our oldest started this year as a freshman at the University of Alabama. I've got a junior in high school and a third grader. Uh, professionally, I joined the Marshfield Clinic Health System as the CFO a little over six years ago, and a little over two years ago, also assumed the chief operations role as well for our care delivery uh, operations with um, Dr. Bill Melms, my kind of dyad uh, leadership partner. Um, this is my kind of second stint in Wisconsin. The first one was down in La Crosse at Gunderson. And otherwise, most of my career has been in the Pacific Northwest, um, public practice, um, you know, legacy and peace health organizations in a variety of roles. Um, the Marshall Clinic Health System, as you mentioned to start, is really an integrated uh, healthcare system uh, serving a predominantly rural geography of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, this year, we will probably generate over $2.8 in revenue. Um, our history is a bit unique. Uh, we were founded over 100 years ago as a multi-specialty medical group. Uh, we added a health plan um, into our organization over 50 years ago. And along the way, we built research and educational programs to support the clinical practice. About six or seven years ago, we started on a, a strategic plan that really focused on integrating acute care within our existing ambulatory and health plan operations. And um, we thought if we were gonna deliver on that mission, we had to address the high cost of care of the acute care services. And really since 2017, we've added eight hospitals, um, creating nine integrated campuses, um, including a children's hospital. This was done through acquisition and construction of greenfield facilities. And we've got two planned expansions in 2022 uh, with a greenfield um, expansion in Stevens Point. And last week we announced um, reaching the a letter of intent with Dickinson County Health um, in Iron Mountain, uh, Michigan. Uh, so our first um, uh, physical presence uh, really outside the state of Wisconsin. So that's just a little bit about our myself and, and health system. Well, congratulations on the three children and 25 years of marriage. Really fantastic and cornerstone achievements and so, so nice, so, so important to life. To talk for a moment about what's it been like to watch this transformation of Marshfield Clinic. I mean, I remember Marshfield Clinic being this magnificent clinic, really without hospitals, and now almost $3 billion, almost 10 hospitals. What's it like to have watched that transformation of something from a clinic to really a true integrated and significant, very substantial health system? What's that been like? Um, it, you know, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a lot of work. Um, 
I mean, like anything, you kind of have, you know, peaks and, and valleys along the way. Um, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, you can have a plan, right, that's pretty linear, uh, but the reality is it looks more like a, a, a string of spaghetti. And as long as it's going in the right direction, um, you, you got to count that as a win. And so, you know, it's incredibly rewarding to kind of look to see that what we've been able to do, uh, many told us at the start that we would fail and we would not be able to do it. And, and we have, and, and that doesn't mean we don't have challenges today. We do. Um, you know, I think the reality is all health systems do, but we've, we've really focused around our mission and executed on, on, on really building a true integrated system. And, um, you know, we're not done, uh, but we've made tremendous progress in a pretty short period of time. And I know it's been hard on our people, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's pretty, pretty proud to see what we've been able to do. And, and so I love these concepts of there's going to be peaks and valleys and, and plans, even though they might be written up as linear, don't go exactly as expected. And so you sort of have to sort of roll with that as long as you're ultimately making directional progress. Uh, I, I think that's a great, great perspective. Talk about what you're seeing currently with COVID-19 in your region and then with competition in your region. Why don't we start with COVID-19? Yeah, so in COVID, we're probably like other parts of the country. Uh, we are experiencing a significant increase in the number of COVID inpatients. Uh, but we are also seeing in pediatrics RSV cases uh, that are also uh, putting a pretty high burden on our, on our children's hospital. All of this is straining the resources we have. Um, we are seeing uh, the vast majority of inpatients, um, you know, a little under 90% are unvaccinated. Um, and, you know, last week, I'm, I'm a little bit hopeful. I'm starting to see a little bit of a flattening of the inpatient cases. Um, you know, I hope that continues. I know through this journey, we've been there before, and then they continue to increase. Uh, but at least for the moment, um, hopefully, uh, we're starting to see a flattening uh, around it. Because this surge negatively impacts um, the availability of other services as you as you reallocate your resources to address the needs. And, um, you know, and as a result, you know, in some cases, people aren't receiving the care that they normally um, would have seen uh, because of the, the surge and the strain on uh, the limited resources we have. The largest impact, though, is really the impact on our people. You know, a year ago, our teams, our clinicians were considered heroes. And today they're being accused of killing family members because we don't follow protocols that they find on Facebook. And, you know, our professionals are committed to providing the highest level of care. And, you know, they have faced uh, probably the tip of the spear around um, the death. Uh, you know, we're seeing sicker patients and, and we're seeing a public, a portion of the public, I should say, that's become more hostile towards them. You know, th this isn't okay. And, you know, we try to support our teams. We've hired a full-time a kind of trauma uh, psychiatrist specialist to work with them to help during this period of time. But, you know, generally, you know, we need to become more kinder to everyone. Um, and, and I'm worried that this latest surge is only going to increase the risk of a nursing shortage uh, because this is not why people got in into this business. They got into this business to take care of folks, not to be accused of 
uh, inappropriate behavior that's not true. And, and I think that's probably the most challenging part around this is, yes, the resources are strained. Um, yes, we, we've got to adjust um, services uh, to meet the demands. But it's, it's the behaviors and the negative and the hostility towards the very people trying to, to, to heal people and restore them to health. Um, you know, in terms of competition, um, it's not just your traditional competitors. We've got a lot of non-traditional players um, in the mix, and we continue to see more and more services move outside the traditional hospital um, and uh, many organizations leveraging technology in a way to disrupt a segment of our business. And, and, and sometimes it's a sub-segment sub of our business. Um, and you know, these non-traditional disruptors put a lot of resources at things that a lot of times we're not able to, right? We, we look at a continuum of care, um, you know, not putting, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars into, you know, only a, a portion of, um, you know, your, your visit in obstetrics. Um, and so this means we've got to look at more partnerships and we've got to look at how those partnerships help us deliver around our mission uh, because, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of alternatives that are, that are coming forward. So I, I hope I, you gave me a two-parter. I hope I, I hit both parts of it for you. Yeah, no, you actually hit it great in a fascinating perspective. And I want to talk about the first one for a moment more. You know, people talk about compassion fatigue or empathy fatigue, particularly for those that are unvaccinated that maybe wouldn't have put as much stress on the hospital system and the nursing force and the whole workforce if they'd been vaccinated. How do you sort of manage that to try and, while the nurses are under attack, which is just insane, given they're putting their lives at risk to help others, how do you manage that compassion fatigue, that empathy fatigue that some people are talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the compassion fatigue, you know, I, I, you know, I've heard about it. You know, what I would say is our, our clinicians, nurses, physicians, uh, and others, you know, are still have a tremendous amount of compassion uh, towards those that are ill and are really focusing on how to help them heal and become better. I think what is harmful is the hostility of others towards them as they are doing that work. Um, we have seen situations uh, where uh, family members tape circumstances to put them on internet blogs. And, you know, and our team handles themselves professionally like they are with the compassion you expect, but they're being accused of things that are not true. And I think that's the hardest part. And, you know, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to solve it. Um, we're trying to support our teams uh, with resources and help them uh, navigate um, uh, these difficult times. But it, but it it is sad to see the, um, it's sad to see this happen within our communities. And and I'm and it's not everybody, but it is a, a very loud vocal subset, and and that is detrimental. Um, and and it's it, 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 in it's difficult for us to control. And um, uh, so we try to Very. support our teams. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ultimately 
with today's world, with technology, with the internet, it is very hard to control a lot of these different paths of speech. Not that we want to, but it's very hard, and things get going in a mob mentality. It's hard to control, and it's very complicated. Talk for a second, Gordon. You've had this great leadership career at just a magnificent system. I'm a huge fan. Talk a little bit about, you know, what advice would you give to emerging leaders trying to have great careers, trying to have an impact? What advice would you give to people? Oh, I mean, I'd say agility is critical. I mean, you have to have the ability to adjust your plans while still moving forward with your long-term goals. Um, you know, none of us plan for COVID, you know, but we still have to navigate the pandemic as well as deliver on, 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 on other things to serve the needs of our community. You know, when I look at our planning cycles, I don't think annual planning is a reality. I think the cycles are, are much shorter. I think um, the predictability of using kind of more of a sequential process for work, I'm not sure that's the norm anymore, that we've got to manage um, multiple or parallel processes at the same time. We've got to be able to communicate, uh, you know, um, actively listen, communicate direction, um, and, and be responsive. Um, and, and I think in particular for finance departments, you know, finance departments sometimes can be viewed as the department of no. Um, and, and really, we've got to collaborate with our leaders to see how ideas can be successful. What can we do to make it work? How can we fit them in? Um, I know we say we've got limited resources, and it's true, uh, but we also have an abundance of resources. And so the real question is around how we deploy the resources we have to improve our broader business, uh, meet the mission of the organization and serve the community needs. And then lastly, really focus on developing your teams. Uh, talent is such a premium. Um, we're going to have to challenge some of our own historical norms and provide flexibility to ensure we uh, retain the best talent uh, within the organization. I mean, for one thing, the pandemic has taught me we can do a lot remotely that I never thought was possible. And if you would have asked me two years ago, could the, you know, let's take an accounting team, close the books remotely, I would have thought you were nuts. And you can. Or could you do a financial statement audit with the auditors never showing up on site? You can. So, I mean, I think we've got to look at how we can be flexible and still achieve our goals. And then lastly, make sure you take care of your own health. Um, with the pace of change we have, we are always plugged in as leaders. Yeah, you know, the, the iPhone is a great invention, but it's created an electronic leash that's 24-7. And you need to make sure you're finding time to take care of yourself, recharge your own batteries, so you can be there to support others. So, Gordon, I've got six or seven points there from you that we'll probably utilize in a summary podcast as well because they're such great thoughts. Uh, first, building teams and building team depths so important. Second, communication skills, critical. Learn to communicate, learn to be an active listener, and so forth. Third, and this is not in the order you gave them all, take care of oneself. You can't really do everything unless you take care of yourself, and that means I'm plugging from the phone sometimes. So so hard for so many of us. Next is this concept of agility and adjustment. It, it, it's, it's a world where this constant disruptions at play and being agile and be able to adjust and be flexible mentally and in your job is so, so important. Next is that planning cycles are getting shorter and shorter 
and sometimes planning cycles are more directional than a hardcore planning and strategy sessions, and that constant evolution of what planning cycles look like. And then finally, it's yes, no is okay for a finance person who has to say no, but really looking for ways to figure out how to lean in and say yes, or figuring out ways how to solve problems, and you know, be be. Uh, we know that ultimately there's scarce resources, but to be able to manage those resources across the uh, across the board to figure out how to and where to say yes, not just to give the binary answer of no. Those are at least six or seven things I pulled out from your discussion. I mean, a couple other great thoughts you had earlier about in a business plan and in a growth process, there's going to be peaks and valleys, and it's not always going to be linear, that it's going to be, you know, there's going to be zigs and zags, but making sure directionally you're moving in the right direction, and that's okay then. Um, Gordon, I just thought a whole plethora of great, great thoughts. I now see why your Packers always beat my Bears, just much more thoughtful team. <laughs> They're just a better team. They got a great quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just going to show up for that position. My goodness. In any event, I want to thank you for joining us again, Gordon. What a pleasure. Uh, let's hope that the COVID surge starts to go down uh, further and more quickly uh, and that your team continues to get the, the emotional support and the support they need in, in a very challenging environment. Gordon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. You bet.